Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. The next two days of ceremony were really heavily focused on storytelling, storytelling as ceremony. The theme of this year's gathering was really about healing from the wounds of colonialism. And so um, people of different nations indigenous nations got up and um, told their stories of losing the ways and trying to find them. Um, Or of the storytelling that was taking place, um, helping them really see how privileged they were to have been raised in the ways and recognizing what their parents and or grandparents went through to bring the ways back. Um, You know, the devastation that the boarding schools had on individuals and the community of people having their language washed out of their mouth with soap, of being jailed for practicing their traditions. It was illegal in this land where we supposedly have freedom of religion. I think you can look at our attitudes towards Muslims and see how thin that is. But um, but a lot of people don't know that as late as the late 70s, people were still being jailed for practicing indigenous practices. It was very powerful testimony. And, um, and I can only imagine how good it felt to share these stories with each other, to have their own struggles validated, to be able to celebrate finding the ways again um, for the rituals and ceremonies we were doing to be that much sweeter, for the tales of how difficult it was to find them. But I really struggled (laughs) listening because I, and there was this struggle inside of me of like, okay, white girl, it doesn't have to be about you. And that's true. But I don't know my tribe's names. I don't have any grandmothers I can go find to ask what our songs were or to teach me the language. 
because what wasn't wiped out by the Vikings got totally cleared out by the Romans and the Christianization that came a thousand, two thousand years ago. Before I started working with Daniel Four, um, I'd had, I've had an ancestral practice for a few years now, and um, I didn't really know what I was doing, <laughs> you know, because I don't have a template for this, and uh, I respect the calls to not appropriate other people's ways, and so. Um, so I was just kind of trying to wing it, right? Do what I felt called to do. Maybe copying a little some things I'd seen in other places. So I knew that people set up altars. I knew that people... Um, uh, I knew that people um, gave offerings, you know. So I set up this altar in the foyer of my house. Uh, or the entry hallway, if you can call it. I mean, it's not... Foyer is a very grand word for <laughs> for the place where I have so that the door doesn't hit anything when you come in, you know? Um, so I, I put the bottom of a hutch there. The top of the hutch I have on top of my washer and dryer is like a, a laundry cabinet. Um, good grief. For such a small road, it is very busy with very big, noisy trucks, isn't it? Anyway... Um, So, um, I have the bottom of a hutch there, and um, I have a Manjushri statue there, uh, statue there um, that I bought from a friend of mine, and um, Manjushri is a bodhisattva of wisdom and the ancestors. Oh, that is somebody mowing their lawn. That's just not going to get any better, is it? I'm so sorry. Um, so, um, I have a tree there, one of those little Christmas LED trees that lights up, you know, that looks like a little birch tree. And on that, I hung... Um, because a sacred arts teacher that I had before, Bree Saucy, talks about the ancestors being those that have gone before. So it doesn't necessarily have to be blood. And they can be ancestors of vocation, um, people that we feel like very intellectually attracted to, that kind of stuff. So, um, so I have like a, a picture of like an artist representation of Fu Hao who was a shaman in general about 1200 BC in China and I have a picture of Frida Kahlo and I have a picture of Gertrude Stein and I have a picture of Bear Mother um, and I have a little thing to burn incense and I have a fountain right so and I have a little offering dishes uh, and so I um, would go every morning and I would take one of my little offering dishes and um, do a little, give them my first little um, sip of coffee in the morning. And um, 
Oh my goodness gracious. Um, so I've been doing that for a while and um, had been shown a pathway into like the ancestor plane. There's like a cave that I go through and there's different ways to get into the cave. Sometimes I swim in, sometimes I walk next to a river in. It kind of depends on where the guides lead me, I guess, when I go in. And there's a certain pathway that uh, that I go down. Um, and it'll make a turn and, and that'll take me to the ancestor plane. Um, so I would go in there and just kind of talk to people, you know, talk to ancestors that I met there, that kind of thing. And, uh, some days I go in there and just kind of see what's going on. Other days, uh, as soon as I ground center and anchor, there's someone waiting for me to take me somewhere. Um, and there was one day that, um, I uh, was taken down a different hallway instead of going to the left I went to the right and um, there was this door behind if you've seen Pan's Labyrinth there is this um, there is this scene where the child goes into this room and there's this creature there guarding this huge table full of food and the child is in there to get something but they're instructed not to touch anything on the table um and uh the child ends up taking a grape and that wakes this creature up and he puts his eyeballs in his hands and is running to grab the child right his face is nothing but a mouth with these gnarly teeth you know um so there's a creature like that uh that lives there and um, I had, in work that I'd done down there before, I'd identified it as greed, right? It's like hoarding all these things that he's not touching, but you're not allowed to have them either. Um, and there's no avenues for perception in his head. There's no ears, there's no nose, there's no eyes. There's only this mouth that consumes, right? Um, so I'd worked with that before this greed in myself, this toothy, grabby greed. And, um, and so I, I, I knew what room that was, and this was kind of behind. So I'm trying to go in as quietly as possible and not disturb it. And um, I go into this doorway, and I'm in this catacomb. And there are all these bones that are dirty, and piled up and I recognize them as being the bones of those who have long been forgotten whose tribes we don't even know the names of let alone their names as individuals or the languages they spoke, or the songs they sang, or the dances they danced. We, we don't know any of it, it's all gone. They have been wiped from the face of the earth. And I have this torch with me, 
and I'm passing the torch around and as I come close and bring the torch close they begin to kind of clean up the bones go from this gritty brownish color and they start getting lighter and lighter and lighter to white and then as I continue to look then you know they become animated and um, these like floors start to appear on the skulls and the bones you know these little filigrees and floral garnishes and it, it very similar to uh, like day of the dead sugar skulls kind of stuff and um, so I, I'm moving further in and holding the torch up and the bones are beginning to clean up and animate and become embellished and um, I move about 10 rows in from the door and show you know hold the torch up and I see that this catacomb goes even further back much much further back and being about 10 rows in um, I, I get a little freaked out you know like what is going on here I mean is this some sort of you know I've been watching Game of Thrones and it's like is this some like army of the dead like what is going on right so I go kind of I'm like oscillating a little between um, the joy of seeing these forgotten bones awaken and the fear of seeing these bones <laughs> awaken you know uh, so I don't want to get too far away from the door and so I pass the torch I give I give one of the skeletons the torch to pass back so they begin animating one another um, and the torch is going further and further back into this catacomb and um, and I think I might have found another torch in there to light uh, for them to have and then you know I got called back it was time for me to go back so I I go back towards the door and I leave them there um, a little while later I come in uh, on another journey and come to check on them and um, and there are so many of them there's rooms behind and rooms behind you know it just really goes on for such a long time um, and they're they're all white and beautiful and animated and excited and they really want to get out of this this awful place this dark dingy catacomb that's sort of locked behind the greed monsters lair you know um, and I get it <laughs> you know I would want to not be there too but I'm not really sure whether they're okay right I, I don't know who they are or what they are or what's going on and whether or not it's okay to fully release them um, so I led them up the pathway and and went to the ancestor plane and was like hey um, I found all these remains of those that have been forgotten and um, you know I, I did a little work with them but uh, I feel like they really want to get out of there and I'm not really sure what to do from here and I figured you guys would know what to do like can I bring them in so I bring them in and the ancestors kind of surround them um, and then it's I get called back so it's time for me to go and um, when I came in the next time they were all in this uh, 
they were like flowers. And I asked how they were doing, and um, the ancestors told me um, that they were, they were healing, right? That there was this healing that was happening under the surface, and um, that they were working on them, right? But like when I walked in, like all the flowers sort of like leaned forward. It was really lovely. Um, and then I began working with Daniel Four in the process of ancestral medicine. Um, and the process that he takes you through is uh, really, you know, grounded in, in ritual and psychological safety, and uh, which I really appreciate because of some of the things that I've had. But it was, you know, it was after having that experience that I was like, okay, I've got to find someone that is skilled in this work um, because I'm getting into these places and I don't know what I'm doing. So I, 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 don't, I don't know what I don't know. And, and so I need someone that's got more experience and skills that can help me through this. And, um, uh, as we're going through this process of connecting with an ancestor and having the ancestors form some sort of prayer cocoon to heal the line between the ancestor when things before the troubles began and myself and, um, and then doing forgiveness work, right? Like this whole process, I realized like, oh my gosh, this, it made me think of, uh, those that had been forgotten. Right. Um, and so I went back on the ancestor plane because in Daniel's work, you call the ancestors to you, you don't go to them. Um, but I, I, I went to the ancestor plane to kind of check on them and see how they're doing. And, um, you know, and, and realized that like the, basically the same kind of process was happening, right? Like I, found these bones and I took them to the ancestors and the ancestors are working on them to give them healing, this kind of thing. And, um, so when I checked in, you know, it was like, a uh, like a, like a war, war one sort of rehabilitation home or something. Do you know what I'm saying? We're like, they're still the walking wounded, but, um, uh, but they're at a space where they're, you know, playing cards and ping pong and things like this as examples. Um, I mean, they weren't necessarily doing those things, but it was, I mean, it, you know, it, uh, that's the kind of vibe that it had that it looks good and like they're enjoying each other. Um, but they're still in a process of recovery. Right. Um, and listening to all these stories being told during the ritual, of asking their parents what their songs were and the parents not knowing and them having to go find someone that knew. Um, it brought a lot of pain up. And I suppose I have to be patient. I mean, because I, I have gotten in touch uh, through shamanic jerking. I've gotten in touch with ancestors on all four of my major lines and I've learned some things so this weekend helped me recount that right was able to sort of place things one of the ladies talked about how uh, before the settlers had come you know they were talking about the the community with the other than humans and how 
It was other than humans that taught them their dances, that taught them their songs. And it, you know, um, going through each of the four lines in the healing process for Daniel's work, um, you, you get an insight into each of the lines technology because they all set up the prayer cocoon in a different way. So like my mother's mother's line, um, the willows, the willow trees are the ones that taught them their dance. So the dance that they're doing around the ancestors that need to be healed is a willow dance. And my grandmother is a bear. And then on my mother's father's line, the dance that they do, the embroidery patterns that the women embroider are dance patterns that show the steps of the dance and the patterns of the dance. And the healing dance that they do, uh, it creates the star in the middle. If you're trying to draw out the steps, it creates this really amazing star in the middle. And the very middle is a vortex. So the men are moving in a clockwise position to call things in, and the women surround the circle, moving in a counterclockwise position to protect the space. And the deer work with them to help heal. And the sea eagle is also an affinity. And on my father's mother's line, my grandmother is a fairy. The first ancestor that I came across um, was like human-sized, like woman-sized. And when I asked her if she was well with those before her, um, she dropped her head. And so I asked her to take me to the one who was well with those before her. And it was a fairy. And once I was introduced to her, I understood that um, the woman I had first met um, had been born because her mother had been raped by a human man. And the grandfather on my father's father's line is a lion because the human line spun out of control really quickly. So there were no healed humans on that line. And the fairies used flowering vines to help heal. They created this big, like, egg out of flowering vines that everyone stayed in. So there were these different technologies. And as people were talking, you know, I, I've done enough work to be able to resonate with a lot of what they're saying and, and realize that my people did these things too. But I, I don't know the songs. I don't know the language. Gaelic came later. I can say they're Scottish and Irish, but they were there before it was called Ireland and Scotland. So there was a lot of pain there and I felt really shut out and I was pretty upset about it. And um, 
some of the people talked in a way as if um, they alone have had that struggle. And I think the effect of colonization has been so complete that white people don't recognize that we also had ways that were in harmony with nature and connected to the land. But the colonialization and the cultural genocide was so complete that we don't remember this. I am so sorry for all this noise. This is unbelievable. I don't know who is doing yard work because it just rained this morning. Everything's wet. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to have to re-record all this or if I even can, but hopefully the noise level is low enough that you can hear me. Um, but what a metaphor, right? This sort of like grinding sound in the background when it comes to decolonizing as a European. How far we have to dig to go back to the space where we were one with nature where we recognized our place in the web of life and didn't see ourselves as above it somehow. When we saw that the world was populated with people, lots and lots of different kinds of people that are other than human, as opposed to thinking that humans are the only people. It was really painful. Um, and I was feeling a little irritated by it, and I talked to some people about it. Um, and I'm just so grateful for spirit and the graciousness of the universe. Um, was it Saturday night? As I was coming out of dinner. Um, I think the red tent must have been uh, too big to fit in the red tent. <laughs> so the women had gathered under the pagoda and as I came out, um, it was just at the moment that Sherry was talking about how um, the wisdom is not lost and that maybe we need to dig underneath the ashes of the pyres where they burnt our grandmothers to find it, but it's not lost. Or maybe we need to look in the sandy bottoms of the marshes where they were drowned, but it's not lost. That was exactly what I needed to hear. To keep remembering that I am the face of my ancestors, that they are in my blood, they are in my bones. And as Bobby God gotten so frustrated with me last year 
when I began asking her all these questions that all I have to do is really look deep, deep within myself because they are there within me. And then Monday morning for the closing ceremony, um, they were running a little late, so many people had already gathered, and um, a lady and I were talking about some of the awarenesses and insights we'd had um, throughout the days of ritual. And as we were talking, I noticed more people sort of leaning in to listen, you know. And then chairs getting tilted a little more. And then someone asked a question. And we started talking about these kinds of things, about as people with a colonialist settler heritage, you know, how do we find our ways um, that we don't need to appropriate the beautiful ceremonies that we've seen happen over the weekend, that we need to find ours and use them again. And people were sharing different inclinations and affinities they'd had, you know, and these are often the, the keys that there's something there. Um, and there was one woman who uh, has always had this strong affinity to fairies. So when one of the fellows in the group heard me say that my grandmother was a fairy, he ran off to go get his friend and um, or that my grandmother was a bear or my grandfather was a lion. It's, it's funny because we get into the space, right, where we think like that sounds so crazy and you can't tell people that. And yet here, here we are talking about it and people are so like excited and relieved and happy to hear these stories because we all had them. And things that we had experienced when we'd been on the land that we knew one side of our family came from at least, right? The way that the land communed with us, the feeling that we had when we were there the animals that showed up along the way. And really, it, it just really, um, it really emphasize, it really like drives home the importance of storytelling and speaking our truths and decolonizing you know, in that space, so many of the stories that I heard, I think if I had gotten up to the mic to tell my story of finding the bones in the cavern, of my grandmother being a bear, of, you know, if I'd gotten up to tell those stories, they would have understood. It would have really resonated with them. It would have reminded them of their own stories. Um... So I was really grateful that we were able to have this moment at the end. And that it was under the pagoda, near the fire. That we were able to bring that 
into that space. And my prayer is that all of us will continue to dig under the ashes of their pyres and to look more deeply at our affinities. And may we all find the songs they sang and the dances they danced and sing and dance once again. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, gotta be weird and wild about it, you know? So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, gotta be weird and wild about it, you know? So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.